Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey, if you got your Bibles this morning, Judges chapter 1, I want to finish up or at least carry forward a little bit the message that I began uh, last week with this idea of a winnable war. Um, we are in a war. We're in a culture war. We're in a righteousness war. We're in a war that is landed right smack dab in the middle of our, our home. You think about this war that we're fighting, and it's easy to think that it's really began in the last decade, but, you know, as I really put some thought into this, can I tell you, this war has been going on for probably probably 60 years, 50 years. You think about this with me for a moment. Do you remember the 60s? Pastor Scotty, do you remember the 60s? I thought you might. At best, you got stories from your dad. Yeah, he's like me, so he's barely got stories. I was born in 1966. I don't even really remember the 60s. Aren't I a kid? Isn't that great? Scotty's like, yeah, you're an old guy. <laughs> But you know, it was, it was the 1960s, it was coming out of Korea, it was going through Vietnam, that our nation began what is a cultural war. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Barry? Well, it, it, that was the point in time where we begin to see, I think more than any other time, we begin to see the foundation of our society ate away at, eroded. The family. Isn't that true? When all of a sudden, I mean, that was probably, if you want to point to an era, point to a decade, that was probably the decade where all of a sudden marriage was optional. Gay rights became a thing. Free sex became a thing. And it just steadily progressed through the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. 2010s, the 20, here we are in 2020. And we're struggling to figure out how many genders there are. Right? I mean, we've, un- we've, we've under-eroded marriage, uh, under, we've, we've just eroded marriage to the point where we don't need it. In fact, it's almost looked at as disgusting by some people, many people. It's hit our academies, our universities. My son and some of you have kids that are in school. It's hit our public school systems. It's an issue there. It's, it's happening in training in HR departments. And we see, we, we're in a war. Y'all get this? You, you agree with me? You understand what I'm saying this morning? You feel this? Uh, am I in this alone? Am I the only one that gets up in the morning and feels like, man, this is, this is, this is craziness? Sat down last night to watch one of my favorite shows in the whole world. It is um, Blue Bloods. Anybody here like Blue, Blue, Blue Bloods? Reagan and the Reagan family and New York City police officers and just hardcore, honest. I mean, they're good Catholics who drink whiskey, and I, you know, I'm not really a big supporter of that. But, um, but it's just a good, generally a good show. Right? Last night I, I, I turned it on, and I'm like, man... What are they going to put Whoopi Goldberg on there for? Really? 
come on. She's got to take that far, far, far side of the cultural issues. And, and, but I watched it, and, you know, eh. That's kind of the way I felt afterwards. Eh. But we're in a war, folks. And that's what I preached last week, and that's where I want to carry on this morning. We, we looked last week, and I talked about some things, because here's the thing. If we're in a war, we better win the war. Anybody, anybody okay losing the war? I mean, if losing war has, wars have consequences, and it's never a, a good thing. And if we're going to win this war, there's some things that we have to do. And last week I shared these. The first one was inquire. We need to inquire of the Lord. God, if we're in a war, then what do you want me to do? We, we need to realize that there's not a person sitting in the sanctuary this morning that God has not got a purpose and a direction and a plan for your life and what he wants you to do with that life. So it, it, part of it will be in the house of God, in the church, within the church community, and much of it will be outside of it for many of you. But God has got a purpose and a plan, and it is always a good thing to begin with inquiring of the Lord. The second piece last week I looked at is this. No war has ever been won, despite what Hollywood tells us, and despite how incredible John Wayne and uh, Rambo were, there are very few wars. There are never wars that are won by one man. It is always together. And we're going to win this war, or we're going to lose this war. We're going to win this war together, or we're going to lose it separate, apart. But, But if we're going to win, we've got to do this together. And then I talked last week, I shared with you, if, you want, if we want to win this war, we better inquire of the Lord, we better fight this war together, but we also have to figure out and understand what our hill is, what our lane is, what God's called us to do. And then we need to stop looking at the, the, the next lane over or the next hill over and thinking, you know, I, I, God, you called me to this, but I really like the grass over there and I'm gonna, I, I want to do what they're doing. And focus on what God's called us to do and become that expert on our hill. And if we'll do those things, those things that I shared last week, if we'll inquire and we'll work together and we'll stay in our lane, then we will win the war. We have, we, it will go our way. And we see that in Judges 1.5. And let me just share this with you this morning. They found, this, this is what happened when the children of Israel begin to do this. Uh, they found Adonai Bezek, and that was the king who called himself Lord, that they were fighting against their war. At Bezek, the name of the city, so he was the lord of the city of Bezek, or the area of Bezek, and they fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. They defeated them. Where I want to go this morning, and what I want to share for just a few minutes is the second part of this, and it, and it starts down in Judges 1, 4 through 7. So let me just read this with you this morning, and let's look at a second part of what does it take to win this war. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands, and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezek, and they found Adonai Bezek at Bezek, and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Ow! Right? Not a pleasant situation. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table, as I have done, so God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. Here's where I want to go with this morning, and there's some truths in this last part that if we're not really reading carefully, we can miss. And and I believe God God dropped these in my heart this morning. I I believe that he he, he gave these to, to me to share with you. And, and, and here's what I want to talk about. How do we win this war? A few years ago, a lot of years ago now, I was a youth pastor. Um, I believe I was still youth pastoring in northern Indiana, and youth convention was at Circle Center Mall downtown. Or not at the mall, but we were downtown at the convention center. And I was driving a, a big van full of teenagers, and a 
bunch of girls were in there. I came from up north. We got down here. I wasn't, it's a, this is a lot of years ago. And I wasn't very used to the city. And I never, I'll never forget this. I'm driving eastbound on one of the streets, and I come up to a stoplight, and I turn southbound. I turn right southbound on the street. And I go about a quarter of a block, and, and I've got, I think, what is it, three lanes down there, four lanes? And I look up, and I've got four lanes of traffic all full coming right at me. See, that was my, right there, that was my reaction. Now, here's the thing about teenagers, okay? After three hours on the road in a van, they were so unaware, all right? I could have driven that van anywhere. They didn't know, but I knew. And if I remember, I don't know if Ruthie was with me that year or not, but she she probably was. Um, Believe me, if she was there, she knew. Can I just tell you, when you go the wrong way on a one-way, it rarely ends well, Right? So I did what any sane human human being would do. I saw those four lanes coming right at me from the light that had just changed, and I took that extended, big monster van full of kids, and I did the fastest U-turn, keeping it on four wheels that I could in those four lanes, and I started going the other direction. I tell you that this morning for this reason. The way we win this war is one way, and it's God's way. It's one way and it's God's way. Now, the reality is, we read this story this morning in here, and we think, you know, all right, I kind of get that. Adonai Bezek, he fled. They pursued him. They caught him. They cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Now, look, at first reading, I'm like, okay, that's weird and almost funny. Well, let's just stop for a minute and think about that in reality, not in the context of a story. They cut off his thumbs and his big toes, and then they marched him from where the battle took place all the way to Jerusalem, and he died there. Do you understand what they did? They made the man so he, they humiliated him. They made him so he couldn't walk. Without your, your big toes, you're not going to walk far or well. And then they marched him miles upon miles upon miles. And along the way, he had no thumbs. Try to pick up your fork without a thumb. Try to pick up anything without a thumb, without either thumb. Do you understand what they did to this man? They, they humiliated They tortured him. Now, now, you may feel one of several ways about this. On, on the one hand, I'm looking at that and thinking in the very next story, it said he just did that to 70 people, and I'm thinking, well, that seems fair. Right? Anybody feel that way? He got as good as he gave. I, I mean, I, I kind of I I get that. And, and maybe, maybe you're a little more in touch with, with uh, I don't know, your humanity than that, and you thought, boy, that's... That's not, that's torture, that's, that's cruel. I, I, I don't know where you fell on that. But they marched this man all the way to Jerusalem, fought a battle in Jerusalem because they didn't control Jerusalem at that point, and then they took him into Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem he died. There's one way to win this battle, and it's God's way. Now, here's the thing. Here's what they did. They realized that they were in a battle. They caught this Lord King of this city, and rather than say, God, how do you want me to handle my enemy? They looked around at all the nations around them. And they saw what they did, because that was the way they handled their enemies. Obviously, he did it to 70 kings. And they said, you know what? I'm not going to inquire of the Lord. God, how do you want me to handle my enemy? They said, we're just going to do what everybody else does. That's a problem. We're in a battle. 
people lie, cheat, steal, they twist, they spin, they don't fight fair. Whether you believe the election was stolen or you don't believe the election is stolen, I'm not going to make a ruling or a judgment on that. I, I don't think anybody reasonably can argue that it, there wasn't some shady stuff going on and, and, and probably shady stuff been going on for a long time. Politicians lie. You can write that one down. Right? That, politicians lie. But just because those that we're in this war with lie and steal and cheat and spin and deceive and attack and become violent does not mean that we need to take up arms or we need to take up their methods and we need to fight this war the way they fight this war. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's one way, and it's God's way. There's one way, and it's God's way. Now, if you're getting uncomfortable with my message this morning, hang on. It's going somewhere. God has one really, really big word that starts with a J that he really likes. And despite most of you thinking it's Jesus, it's not. Well, it is, but that's not where I'm going this morning. It's justice. God is not about revenge. He's not about cruelty. He's not about get as good as you give. He's not about, he, he's, he's not even about at this point in, in history, an eye for an eye. Old Testament he was. Do you, do you all understand this? Old Testament, when God came along and gave the law and said an eye for an eye, a, a hand for a hand, uh, you know, when he came along, the reason he did that was because culturally, at that point, the, 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 the way things were handled wasn't an eye for an eye or a hand for a hand. It was, if you take my eye, I'm going to kill your family. If you take my hand or steal from me, I'm going to wipe out your village. If you kill my cow, I'm going to kill your herd and you're going to starve and die. So when God came along and gave the law and said an eye for an eye, a hand for a hand, it was actually a step in the right direction. And then he come on in the New Testament, he said, crazy things like love your enemy and pray for those that despitefully use you, right? One way, God's way. God's not about revenge. He's not about cruelty. He's not about get as good as you give. He's about justice. How do we win this war? Well, we win it by not responding as the world responds. Anybody here been treated poorly by somebody that's not a Christian? I won't ask you if you've been treated poorly by somebody who is a Christian. That's a different sermon. Anybody been treated poorly by a boss? Anybody been treated poorly? Anybody look around and, and see what goes on in our culture, in our society, in our world, in our cities, and just... Anybody want to go buy a gun? <laughs> Did he raise his hand? Did I just see that? Yeah, okay. Anybody want to start carrying a gun? Yeah? Understandable. 
And I'm not telling you you shouldn't carry a gun or you shouldn't have... Kyle, you don't need to be carrying a gun and you don't need to own a gun. But the rest of you that are over the age of 18, all right, I'm not telling you you shouldn't own a gun or you shouldn't carry a gun, but you probably ought to be trained how to use it. But I am telling you if your hope is in that gun, you're putting your hope in a really, really... You're not Rambo. You're not John Wayne. And your hope had better be in a higher power than... Smith and Wesson. Right? We don't respond the way the world responds. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 5. He said this in verse 44. He said, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now listen, I'm your pastor. I'm the preacher. I'm also a human being who has feelings just like you do. I get up every morning. My pants go on one leg at a time, just like you alls do. And uh, I don't like that verse. Anybody else? I do not like that verse. I don't want to love my enemies. I want to be like David. Kill them. It's the 21st century. That's a little harsh. Don't kill them, God. Just hurt them really badly. Right? I don't like that verse. But here's the thing about being a Christian, being a follower of Christ. I can't take the ones I don't like and just ignore them. I can't take the ones I don't like and disregard them. I can't take the ones I don't like and just act as if they're there. I can't become that cutter Christian, cutter scissors, cutter Christian who takes the scriptures he doesn't like and just cuts them out. And Jesus, it's in red, folks. That even makes it worse. Jesus himself said, you need to love your enemies and pray for those that despitefully use you. Now listen to me this morning. If you believed that the answer to winning this cultural war was the re-election of Donald Trump, you were fooling yourself all along. Because I can promise you, even had he been put back in office, and even if he yet ends up in office, it is not going to end this cultural war. This war will not be won by human means, by fleshly means. By, by It will not. And if you happen to believe that the way we're going to fix this cultural war is to elect Joe Biden, then you're just as fool. One way, God's way. Joe Biden, I suspect, don't hate me, don't get mad at me. If you disagree with me, and I may be wrong, you know, that's fine. He's probably going to be the president for the next four years, most likely, or at least until... Kamala becomes president. (laughs) Just saying. Don't hate them. If I'm not wrong, I'm pretty sure Jesus said, love them. I I, I could be wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm pretty sure. I just read it to you all. He said, pray for them. They take away your freedoms, pray for them. They make your life harder, pray for them. They raise your taxes, pray for them. They move this nation the wrong direction, pray for them. Pray for them. Now listen, there's a scripture in the New Testament that goes something like this. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto God what is God. You all familiar with this passage? Okay, I'm going to take that principle and I'm going to rework it a little bit and I'm going to put it this way. Political battles, fight on a political battlefield. 
vote. I'm not telling you don't vote. I'm not telling you to start praying and quit voting. Political battlefields get fought on a political, uh, on a political front, all right? Uh, um, if, if you want to talk about academic and school board and schools, you, you go to your school board meetings, all right? Be, be engaged, be involved. But spiritual battles better be fought on a spiritual battlefield. How do we win this war? Well, children of Israel took this king, this Adonai Bezek, and they took him out and they treated him just like the world does. But the way we win this war is not fighting and responding the way the world fights and responds. We love our enemies and we pray for those who spitefully, those that despitefully use us. We also know our enemy. We read this passage in, in, in Ephesians and it goes like this. See if this sounds familiar to any of you. So can I just tell you this morning... Um, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, who's the, who's the lady in the Senate, um, Nancy Pelosi, D Chuck Schumer, Whoopi Goldberg, the Cuomo brothers, CNN, MSNBC. Can I just tell you this morning, now, now hear me on this, okay? Because I, I, think, I think everybody in this room here and this knows it, but you need to hear it. They are not your enemy. Paul put it this way, stand against the schemes of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. They're not your enemy. You know what they are? They're blind, and they're deceived, and they're in need of a savior, and they're in need of, of repentance, and they're in need of redemption, just like you and just like me. They're not your enemy. How do we win this war? We win this war by realizing who our enemy is and who our enemy isn't. We win this war by realizing how God says to respond and not responding the way the world says to respond. Do I get angry when I hear stupid things? Oh, absolutely. Do I get angry when I hear things that are just ridiculous? Absolutely. Do I have to turn the TV off sometimes and go take a walk? Sometimes I do. Do I get frustrated? Do I just shake my head? Do I yell at the TV? I actually don't yell at the TV very often. It takes something pretty big to get me to yell, period. But all, all of those things are true. But I've got to remember, and maybe this message gets preached to nobody else this morning but me, but I've got to remember who my enemy is and who my enemy isn't. Because if I think my enemy is those people, then I'm going to tend to want to do battle against those people. And if I'm doing battle against those people, then I'm not over here doing battle against who my enemy really is, which is Satan, which is the devil, which are spiritual powers and spiritual forces. Because this battle, I'm probably okay fighting on the political front, maybe on the monetary front. I hope the day never comes it gets fought on, on, on the guns front, Kyle. Um, but this battle over here, it only gets fought one way, and that is on my knees in prayer, talking to God and pleading and praying against the powers of darkness. How do we win this battle? A hopeless battle, a battle that we are so far against the ropes right now that it seems there's no chance. How do we win this battle? We win this battle by not responding the way they respond and not fighting the way they, they fight. We win this battle by realizing we get out of bed every morning and we spend a few moments with God and we pray for our country, we pray for our president, we pray for our senate, we pray for our neighbors, we pray for our school board, we pray for our boss, we pray for the people that we work with, we pray, we pray we pray for the blind, the dumb, and the stupid. Say, that's rough, Pastor Barry. Yes. 
and it's also true so often. We love them and we pray for them. We fight legal battles with legal weapons. We fight political battles with political weapons. We fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. morning as we step into a brand new year here in just a few weeks, I believe this church needs to commit itself afresh and anew to being a church that fights this battle on our knees. I look around the sanctuary this morning and you all love Jesus. You believe in him. You believe in the power of God. You know how to pray. You practice prayer. We just need to step into a new year realizing that whose side we fight on, who fights for us, and how we need to respond and how we need to fight. Say, Pastor Barry, do you think the battle's lost? I don't know. Somebody told me a few weeks ago, said, oh, I I believe God's going to turn this nation around. Well, I believe God can turn this nation around. My only concern and my biggest fear, my biggest prayer is this. In order for God to turn a nation around, there has to be repentance. And I don't see a whole lot of repentance in the majority of our nation right now. And you can say, God won't let America fall. Well, he let Sodom and Gomorrah fall. He let Judah fall. He let Israel fall. Um, Rome fell. Greece fell. And there's never been a culture yet or a society yet that didn't fall. And I think it's probably a bit arrogant to think that he won't allow American to fall unless there really is repentance and revival. So we've got a lot to pray for coming into 20, 2021. Our leaders, our nation, our neighbors. God's mercy, God's grace, God's few more years, God to raise up, right? Otherwise, we're going to have our babies and our grandbabies growing up in a world that we don't even recognize, and we're already there. Will you stand with me this morning? going to let you go in just a moment. I'm going to ask you if you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to ask you this morning just to take this step, and uh, maybe you already do it, but that's okay. Respond anyway. Will you say, Pastor Barry, yes, this year we're getting, re- as I get ready to step into 2021, I, I really do. I, uh, I, I recommit myself to being a man or a woman that prays for my leaders, prays for my nation, prays Praise for God's mercy. Praise for God to turn this around. If you're willing to do that, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand up and hold it there for a moment. And, and this is this is that thing between you and God this morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray like my baby's future depends on it because it does this morning. Heavenly Father, this morning we pray. We pray together, Lord, and we we pray over our nation and we pray over our leaders and we pray over those that we see taking us in such an evil and poor direction and. We pray over those that we see causing pain and causing suffering in, in, in all, all different parts of our society. And we pray over them, God. I pray, help us to love them. And we pray, Lord, that you would turn their hearts around. I pray, God, those that are in leadership positions, your Holy Spirit wouldn't let them rest. You wouldn't let them sleep. That you would bring those into their path, God, that will bring conviction upon them. We pray this morning, God, that you would push back the enemy, push back darkness in America, in our school systems, Lord, in our government systems, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. We pray, God, that you would do this today in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Have a great week, and uh, I'll see you soon.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.